Welcome to the Vintage Church NOLA podcast. Vintage Church is a multi-church, multi-city movement of truth, love, and community. For information, visit vintagechurchmovement.com. Here is this week's message. Well, hey, welcome to Vintage Church. If I've never met you before, my name is Dustin Turner. I serve as the lead pastor of Vintage. If you are watching online. Welcome to those of you watching online. If you have a Bible, turn to the book of Malachi. We are going to be in the last chapter, in the last three verses. Malachi chapter 4, verses 4 through 6. If you're new to the Bible, you can find the book of Malachi right before the New Testament. It's the last book of the Bible. And we've been reading and studying the book of Malachi together and calling it Prepare. And the reason we've been calling it Prepare is because Malachi really is a book of preparation. I want to encourage you, if you are new or you're looking for all of the resources that are associated with this series, from our sermons to our sermon notes to our V-group study, to an introduction to the book of Malachi. There's a link that's going to be on the screen. You will find all of those resources there, and you can catch up or uh, watch those later on if you want to. But we're calling this series Prepare because the book of Malachi is a book of preparation. The people of Israel had come out of captivity, back into the promised land, and, and part of what they were doing is they were still waiting. They were waiting for the Lord to, the, to return. They were waiting for God to visit them. And so the Malachi, the prophet, speaks on behalf of God to say all of the things that the people of Israel need to do to prepare. And here we are in this season of Advent, in this season of Christmas, preparing to, yes, celebrate the birth of Jesus, but also anticipating His return. I mean, that's the point of Advent. Often we get caught up in celebrating the birth of Jesus. And I love to celebrate the birth of Jesus. Some of the songs that we sang tonight, my favorite Christmas carol, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, by far my favorite. I love to sing those songs and celebrate. But the point of this season of Advent is actually about anticipating the fact that Jesus is going to return. He's going to come back. And as we read and study the book of Malachi, we have to ask ourselves, are we preparing for the Lord's return? Are we preparing for God to visit us? And as I thought about the first coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus and his return, I thought about things that we've anticipated. Have you ever anticipated something getting all excited about it, thinking it was going to be an incredible experience, and it happens, and it was the most underwhelming thing you've ever been to. (laughs) You ever had that experience before? uh, A couple of years ago, my father-in-law got us tickets to this uh, New Year's Eve dinner theater. And I don't know why, but I thought it was going to be cool, and it was so boring. And the food was terrible, and it was just it was the one of the worst experiences i've ever been to right it was so underwhelming and then you've probably anticipated something thinking it was going to be completely lame and you get through the experience and you're like wow that was overwhelming in all of the good ways i mean last week pastor matthew weaver talked about hallmark movies right now i don't watch hallmark movies 
But I do watch chick flicks. And I tend to cry from time to time. And there's a couple of, there's a couple of Christmas chick flicks that I really enjoy. One of those being The Holiday. Anybody ever seen that movie before? Yeah, it's one, of, it's one of Rachel and I's favorite Christmas movies, right? I watched that movie not anticipating and expecting much. But after finishing the movie, I'm like, wow, that's a great movie. And, and now it's in our Christmas movie repertoire that we, we watch every year. And so there are things that we anticipate that's underwhelming, and there are things that we anticipate that are overwhelming in all the good ways. And, and that is exactly how I think we need to understand and prepare for the coming of Jesus. The first coming of Jesus. The people of Israel thought it was going to be this incredible, overwhelming experience, and it was underwhelming in all the ways it could be. Because Jesus came in obscurity, and he was born to these peasants who were dirt poor. And he was born in an inn where there was no room and placed in a manger. No one was expecting that. But what I want us to understand is we think about Advent and we celebrate Advent, we anticipate the Lord's return. His return is not going to be underwhelming. It's going to be overwhelming in all of the perfect ways. So let's look at Malachi 4, verses 4 through 6 together. Here's what Malachi says. Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes, and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Now, verses 4 through 6 are really a conclusion to the entirety of the book of Malachi. And we're going to see that in what he tells the people of Israel to do. Some of the things that he says in just these three verses, we've already heard in different ways in the book of Malachi. And so the first thing that I want you to get as we look at these few verses is this. We are to obey the Lord. Now, I know for many of us, that might seem like common sense. Okay, right, we know that. But there's a reason that Malachi, in verse 4, goes back to the law of Moses. He says, remember the law of Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. There's a reason he goes back to saying, remember the law. You know why? Because the people of Israel didn't remember the law. And when we talk about remembering the law, what we're talking about is not just knowing the law, but actually knowing it to the point that it penetrates our hearts, changes how we feel, and actually motivates us to action, to actually obey the law. Now, what he's getting at, the context there, is he's talking about Moses. And Mount Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. So what he's talking about is when Moses, in the book of Exodus, went up to Mount Sinai, met with God, and brought the Ten Commandments down to the people of Israel. And he's saying, remember those laws. Now, here's what I want you to think back over the last few weeks, because this is what's so important for us to remember as we wrap up the book of Malachi. What has the book 
of Malachi been about? The book of Malachi has been about covenant faithfulness. Covenant faithfulness. Back in the book of Genesis, God begins a relationship with Abraham. And from that relationship comes the people of Israel. And the point of a covenant is it's not just this kind of contract idea. It's a deep, personal, relational commitment. And what God was doing when He made a covenant with the people of Israel, what He was saying is, listen, regardless of what you do, Israel, I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm not going to turn my back on you. I'm going to be faithful to everything that I have promised you. And what he expected in return is for the people of Israel to do that very same thing. And, and, but here's what we see in the book of Malachi. Yes, God has remained loyal and committed to Israel, but Israel had failed to remain loyal and committed to God. Which is the very reason he tells them in verse 4, remember the law of Moses. Because they had forgot it. They, in fact, had not been faithful to the covenant that they made with God. Now, if you go back and you look at the last several weeks that we've looked at, you're going to find right there in the middle of this book two key themes that we talked about. Right worship. Week two of this series, Mark Anthony talked about mar- right, right worship. And then a few weeks ago, I talked about right giving. Both of those connected to how we love God, how we serve God, how we worship God, how we obey God. And then right in the middle of this book is a discussion on right relationships. We talked about marriage and we talked about justice. And here's what I hope you see, and this might, you might think that this is simplifying the message of Malachi, but I really don't think it is. What God is getting at in the book of Malachi is the people of Israel were to love him, love God, and love people. That's what it means to be faithful to the covenant that God had for the people of Israel. But they had rejected that. They weren't loving God, and they weren't loving people. And before we overcomplicate things and try to make the Bible say more than it actually says, I want to remind you how Jesus summarizes the entire law. In the Gospels, a religious leader comes to Jesus and he's trying to trick Jesus. He's trying to get Jesus to trap himself in his own words. And he says, tell me the greatest law. Some of you might be familiar with this in Matthew 22, verses 37 through 40, Jesus says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. He's quoting Deuteronomy 6. And then verse 38, this is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. Here he's quoting Leviticus 19. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now look at what he says in verse 40. On these two commandments depend all the law, and the prophets. Now, the book of Malachi is a book of the prophets. 
And so what, what Jesus is getting at is, listen, if you want to summarize everything that the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy says, and everything that the prophets say, including Malachi, it is simply this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing, I get that that's simple. And, and probably three-quarters of you, if not most of you, know that Jesus said that and that we should summarize what it means to obey God and loving Him and loving people. But go back to what it means to remember. The question is, is are we obeying God by loving Him and loving people? And the significance of this obedience, I thought about it like this, especially as we're in this Christmas season, right? I don't want my kids to obey me by me threatening them that Santa's going to leave them a lump of coal, <laughs> right? Every once in a while I throw that into them and they're, well, what, Dad, what, what? Right? I don't want them to obey me because I'm scaring them into consequences. I want my kids to obey me because they trust that their dad has their best in mind. And because they know that I have their best in mind, they know that when they obey me, it's best for them. And what I want us to see from the book of Malachi is it's the exact same way with God. God is calling us and telling us to obey him not because he's a cosmic killjoy but because he's a good father who loves us and wants our best and that when we in fact obey him it's better for us than when we disobey him so in the book of malachi we are called to obey the lord now, here's a question that I want, to th I want you to think about as we look at verses 5 through 6. So we're talking about obeying the Lord. Why can we obey the Lord? Why can we obey the Lord? It's because this, because Jesus has come. Go back and look at verses 5 through 6. In particular, I want you to look at the beginning of verse 5. Malachi writes this, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day. Now there's a couple of things going on in this verse that we've talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about right justice. Number one, he's talking about Elijah. Now we're going to read Malachi 3.1 in just a moment. Elijah is that messenger, but he's also talking about that great and awesome day. Now in the prophets, when they talked about the day, what they were talking about was the day of the Lord, the, the day that God would come and visit his people. And so what he's saying is, I'm going to send you Elijah, I'm going to send you this prophet who's going to go before me on that great and awesome day. Now look at Malachi 3.1. We read this a few weeks ago, but it gives some more explanation and context to Malachi 4 verse 5. It says, Behold, I send my messenger, messenger and Elijah, the same person, and he will prepare the way before me. This is God speaking. 
And the Lord, that's God, whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he's coming, says the Lord of hosts. So why or or how are we able to prepare? Why can we obey the Lord? Because Jesus has come. The point of talking about Elijah, the point of talking about the messenger, is that the messenger was the one who was to come to prepare the way for the Lord. Jesus himself said, that's what John the Baptist did for me. And in the Gospels, that's what we read about John the Baptist. Look at Luke 1, verses 16 through 17. Luke 1 Gabriel, the angel, visits Zechariah. Zechariah was the father of John the Baptist. And look at what Gabriel says about John the Baptist. Also notice the connection of the language here to Malachi chapter 4. This is what Gabriel says. And he, that is John the Baptist, will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him, that is before the Lord, in the spirit and power of who? Elijah. In the spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. To make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So what I want you to see is our obedience is tied to the coming of Jesus, to the birth of Jesus. That is the first great and awesome day. John the Baptist came as Elijah to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus. And that's what we celebrate right now, right? It's the incarnation. The incredible story of Christmas is the incarnation that God came to earth and put on flesh. John 1, in John 1, it says the Word became flesh. So the incarnation is that God came to earth, put on flesh, lived a perfect, sinless life. And yet, despite living sinless, was condemned to die, died on the cross, but did not stay dead, rose three days later, defeating sin, death, and hell. That's the story of Christmas. We've been, we've been reading that, this Advent Bible reading plan from He Reads Truth and She Reads Truth. I hope you're reading it with us. It's on our website. It's on that Prepare website. And really this week, something interesting struck me in one of the devotionals that we were reading from that Bible reading plan. And it was basically saying, like, yes, listen, I love to read all of the Christmas Bible passages, right? If you're familiar with the Bible, you can go back in the prophets and read about Isaiah, and you can read in the Gospels and Matthew and Luke, and you read all of these incredible stories about the promise of Jesus coming and then the birth of Jesus. But what this guy said was that there's so many other passages about Christmas that we don't read. And one of the passages in that, that day's devotional was about the Son of Man coming to uh, seek and save the lost. And what he was basically getting at was this reality that we fail to see how every passage about Jesus and His mission is a story about Christmas. That Jesus, that God came to earth and put on flesh to die for our sins. That was the mission of Christmas. That's why Jesus came. Not just to be a baby laid in a manger. Not just for 
shepherds to visit and wise men to visit, but to grow up, to live sinlessly, to go to the cross, dying for our sins, and to raise from the grave. That's the story of Christmas. That's what we talk about. That's the gospel. The life, death, resurrection of Jesus. And and listen, the story of Christmas, the story of Jesus always elicits a response. To repent, to believe, to be baptized. Salvation, the reason Jesus came, has to be accepted. And what the Bible says is that when we repent of our sins, when we turn away from the way we have been living, that's the work that John the Baptist was preparing, and in faith, trust Jesus, his death and resurrection, and then publicly profess that faith in baptism, we will be saved. That's the message of Christmas. So why did Jesus come? Look at what the Apostle Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 24. And there's two things that I want you to see here connected to why he came. Paul, or Peter says this, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Look at what he says. Number one, that we might die to sin. So there's this reality that part of the reason, and I just talked about it, that Jesus came was that Jesus would take our sins. That on the cross, our sins would be removed. But look at what he also says. That we might die to sin and do what? Live to righteousness. Here's what I want you to get. Here's, Here's how I want you to tie these two things together. What did we just talk about that God wanted the people of Israel to do from the book of Malachi? Obey the Lord. What did Jesus come to do? He came to remove our sin, thereby giving us the ability to obey God. So the very thing that God wanted the people of Israel to do, that they could not do, that they failed to do, what I want you to know is that the the reason for Christmas was that Jesus would come, remove our sin, and thereby enable us to live for God, to love God, and do what? Love people. We are able to do that because Jesus came as a baby. Grow up to live sinlessly, die on the cross, and resurrect from the grave. So, we obey the Lord because Jesus has come. But here's the last question that I want us to think about. Why do we obey the Lord? And the last thing is this, because Jesus will return. Look again at verses 5 through 6. And I want to focus in specifically in the phrase, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Now here's the interesting thing about how the New Testament sometimes uses things like the day of the Lord. The people of Israel were looking for one specific singular day. But the way that the New Testament understands the day of the Lord is that it was fulfilled in multiple different ways. In one way, it was filled in the birth and death of Jesus. There's another way in the book of Acts when the Holy Spirit comes down on the people of Israel there after on Pentecost 
Peter says that that was the day of the Lord, fulfilled from Joel. But what I want you to also see is the great and awesome day of the Lord is the return of Jesus at the same time. Look at what Luke what Luke says in chapter 1, verses 30 through 33. So we looked at what Gabriel said to Zechariah, and now I want you to see what Gabriel says to Mary, the mother of Jesus. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Now, before we keep reading, I want you to notice something. Does Gabriel say anything about Jesus coming and dying for our sins? Jesus making us whole? Jesus making us righteous? He doesn't say that. Look at what he says next. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Is that not interesting? Now, in the other Gospels, in Matthew and in other parts of Luke, it talks about Jesus being a Savior who dies. But it's interesting to me that the thing that Gabriel would emphasize to the mother of Jesus was the fact that Jesus would rule and reign as king. Now, imagine, think about, think about this again. Mary, was she wealthy? No. She, by the way, she was a teenager. So she was a poor teenager who, in fact, had not been married yet, who was not nobility, was not royalty, and the angel Gabriel is coming to her and saying, your son is going to sit on the throne of God forever. All of that is a promise of what's to come. That Jesus will one day rule and reign. Jesus first came as the suffering servant, but he will return the conquering king. That's the story of Advent. That yes, Jesus was born a baby, poor, broke, going to die. But he will return a conquering king. So what are we to expect with the second great and awesome day? I want to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. You'll see the words on the screen. Paul is writing to the church at Thessalonica and he's talking about the return of Jesus. And here's what he says about this second great and awesome day. He says, now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman. And they will not escape. Look at what he says in verse 4 and 5. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, 
Let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. Now, here's what I want you to see. Yes, Jesus will return. Jesus is going to remove sin. Jesus is going to make all things that are wrong right. Part of the reason that we obey the Lord is because there is an anticipation that He is going to return. And so it's just what Paul says in this chapter. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are not a child of the night. You are not a child of darkness. All of that is metaphor for what? Following God, being in the light, being a child of day. The reason that we obey the Lord is because we follow the Lord. And just like a parent, just like a child who's looking to please their parents. We are children of God waiting for our Father to return, anticipating that we're going to please Him. And that's exactly what Malachi is getting at. He wants the people of Israel, he wants us to recognize that the Lord is going to return. And how will we be found when the Lord returns? Will we be found following Him and obeying Him? Or will we be found doing the very things He told us not to do? My question for us is, as we wait, will we remain loyal and committed to Jesus? We're waiting, right? Part of Advent is waiting. We're in this weird time where, where it's now and not yet, where the kingdom is here, but we recognize things aren't exactly as they should be. And so we're, we're simply waiting. And as we wait, are we remaining committed and loyal? Are we being faithful? Are we obeying the Lord? It's, it's like this. How many of you like to clean? Well, there's a few of you. Okay, just a handful, right? Most of us don't. So you have, now, not this year, because we wouldn't have a party. We want to be COVID-friendly, right? So we're not having parties this year. But imagine 2019 when you might have had a Christmas party. Maybe 2021 when you'll have, have a Christmas party. And your house is a complete wreck, but you're about ready to have like 20, 30 people come over. What do you do? Some of you will be tempted to take all of the stuff that's everywhere and simply do what? Throw it in a closet. Out of sight, out of mind, right? Is that really cleaning? <laughs> no. 
Some of you, yes, it is. Yes, that's cleaning. No, no, that's not cleaning. You've just shoved everything out of sight. The Lord hasn't returned yet. And we can keep shoving our sin and our disobedience and our lack of love for Him and our lack of love for other people in the closet and say, I'm going to get to that. Give me time. I'm going to get to that. Or we can open the closet door, throw it all out, and start cleaning up. Because God's called us to obey Him. As we wait, as we anticipate His return, we're called to live for Him. We prepare for the Lord when we obey Him as we anticipate His return. I want to say that one more time because that really gets at the core of what I think Malachi is getting at. We prepare for the Lord when we obey Him as we anticipate His return. And as I thought about that statement and I thought about anticipating the Lord, like I said, one of my favorite things about the Christmas season is Christmas hymns. And I thought about the hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And just one of the verses, I want to read these verses to you. And I want you to think about it. Yes, obviously the verses are partially talking about the first coming of Jesus, his birth. But I want you to think about this verse in light of Jesus' return. In light of the hope that he brings. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appear. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to thee, O Israel. One of the things that the early church used to say often is this Aramaic phrase that was translated into Greek, Maranatha, which simply means, Come, Lord Jesus. I pray that that's our prayer this Advent season. That we would pray, Come, Lord Jesus. But as we are praying for Jesus to return we would ask ourselves how am I obeying him and how am I preparing for him because until he returns whether it's the season of advent or whether it's any other day of life we have been called to prepare for the Lord to return. And so how will you prepare? Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you that you have, do, and will forever love us. 
You demonstrated your love by sending your son Jesus to die for us and rise for us, giving us life. And so, Father, I pray, God, that we would search our hearts and see, God, how should we in this season of life prepare for you? As we anticipate, God, you returning, how will we prepare? And so help us now, Father, as we respond to you. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.